There's a, a, a pastor by the name of Stuart Peterson, uh, pastors up in, in North Dakota. And uh, he was talking about his five-year-old son, Stephen, who was in a Bible club. And he was having to, to memorize Bible verses. And one of the Bible verses he had to memorize was John 3, 16. Of course, which is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he said as, he, as his son was doing all the verses, then when he got to John 3, 16, he said, Stephen said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only forgotten son. <laughs> and he laughed and he thought, you know, there's probably more truth to that than he knows. Um, sometimes Jesus is the one we do forget. And maybe even especially this time of year. Um, you know, if you're like us, we've been kind of busy around our house, kind of getting things ready for Christmas. And, you know, we love getting the decorations out and getting the tree up and getting the lights on the house and, you know, all those kinds of things and, and uh, looking at Christmas lists and all these kinds of things. And there's a million activities that go with Christmas. And can we be honest, sometimes in the hustle and bustle and all the, all the hurry of all the stuff of Christmas, sometimes we forget the reason for the season, don't we? Sometimes we forget it's not about us, it's, it's really about him. Jesus is the reason for the decision, amen? You bet. And we're gonna talk about that. Um, in, this, in this series that I wanna launch today over the next four weeks, I wanna talk about the idea that Christmas changes everything. Um, God came to this earth not to leave it as it was, but to make change in us. And over the next few weeks, I want, I want to unpack that with you about the various things that Christmas changes for us. And today, I want to begin at the beginning because I believe that God came first and primarily to change us from the inside out. Amen? And I want to look, I want to look at that. And I want to look at a story that will be familiar to a lot of you maybe, uh, but it's, it's from Luke chapter 2. If you want to take your sermon outline out, out, of the, out of your worship folder, you can track along with it. The scripture is not in there. We're going to throw that up on the screen. This is from the New Living Translation, uh, beginning at verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, at that, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And so he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom, with, with whom God is pleased. 
And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds were told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. It's real easy, I think, sometimes in, in the Christmas season um, to, the stories are so familiar that sometimes we're, we're not really attentive, I think, to sometimes to the things God, wanted, God wants to say. In fact, imagine yourself for a moment being a pastor. I've been in ministry for, what, 40, almost 42 years now. Can you imagine preaching on Christmas every single year and trying, and trying to be creative? Uh, and yet, every year, I find myself sitting down with God's word and saying, Lord, would you, would you say something fresh to me? Would you take something that I'm very familiar with and speak something that I really... To hear. And, and I want God to do that for us through these next few weeks. Can, would you just take a moment, bow your head, and just open, open your mind and open your heart. Let me just whisper a prayer on our behalf. Father, we come to you with stories that some of us have heard of hundreds of times. And yet, Lord, it's the most powerful story that the world has ever heard. Your, your word is alive. It is life-changing. And so, God, as we Read the text again today as we try to hear what your spirit would say. Would you do something fresh and new in us? In your name we pray. And everyone together said, amen, amen. Well, when I, when I sat down with the story of the shepherds, um, one of the things that hit me was how God wants to change us at the beginning from the inside out. And when I sat on that thought, I thought, man, isn't, isn't that really what God wants to do? God, God wants, most of all, to change our hearts. And, and, and what I want you to do this morning is, is I just want you to think with me for a second. If, if God was to change your heart in some form or fashion, what do you think that might look like for you? If God were just to sit down beside you and say, you know what, there's, there's one thing I want to I change inside of you, what would that be? Well, when I, when I was looking again at the story of the shepherd, there were some things that hit me, things that I'd never seen before, never caught before, that kind of jumped out at me. And I want to I share some of those with you, see if these fit for you. Are you ready? If you want to track it with me on your outline or you want to doodle to keep yourself awake, whatever works for you this morning, let's, let's look at a few thoughts that, that the shepherds teach us. How does God want to change our heart? Well, one of the things that hit me is he wants to change us from unworthy to welcomed. He wants to change us from unworthy to welcomed. Look at me for a second. Have you ever felt unwanted? Have you ever been with a group of people and look around and realize these people really don't want me here? Have you ever been someplace and you thought to yourself, I don't fit in? I'm, I'm not really a part of that. You kind of begin to get that idea that the, that the people you're around really don't wish, you know, really wish that you were, you were somewhere else. Well, that was one of the feelings that was going on in this story. I want you to look with me again. Look at the passage from Luke 2 that I read for you just a moment ago. It says, that night there were what kind of people? 
Shepherds. Circle the word shepherds on your outline if you take a note. There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, when suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord surrounded them. You know, so often when we, when we think about shepherds, we think of nice guys. You know, we think of the kids' plays that we've seen growing up with the, you know, with the staff, and they're real delicate, and they're real, but that wasn't shepherds at all. Shepherds were vagabonds, man. I mean, these were, these were guys that they lived out in the wild. They had to be tough. Some of them were criminals who couldn't find any other job other than being a shepherd. Um, because of what they did by the religious folks, they were considered un, uh, ceremoniously unclean. So they weren't allowed in the temple. Uh, you know, one of the laws was you, that shepherds were not allowed to testify in court because you couldn't believe a word that they said. I mean, the, these, these were the guys. You know, wherever shepherds went, people were like, oh, he's a shepherd. Oh, my goodness. You know, now, now, think with me. If you were God and you were going to come to earth, you were going to send your angels to make this incredible proclamation of this pivotal point in history, who would you go to? God went to the shepherds. Why? Because out of all the people in Judea, there was no one who felt more unworthy than they did. Out of all the people around, there, there was no one who felt more unwanted. And here was what God was trying to say to each and every one of us. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what your life has been like. All are welcomed into the arms of God. Amen? And that was the good news that these shepherds were trying to proclaim. You know, Jesus carried this, this ministry out the, the same way in a very welcoming manner. Look at the passage of Scripture from Mark chapter 1 as he was interacting with people and healing and doing miracles. It said a man with leprosy came and he, he knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. And here's what he says. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Now read the bold part out loud with me. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Catch that part because sometimes we blow right by this. Jesus reached out and did what? Touched him. Now you gotta grab the significance of this because lepers were people who were kept in a camp outside of the city. They were not allowed to be around people. Uh, they were so, this dread disease, was, they were so afraid of it that, that whenever a leper would see someone coming, they had to raise their arms and they had to say, unclean, unclean. Nobody was allowed close to them. Now, this guy comes to Jesus and he says, if you're willing, you can heal me. Now, think this thought with me. Could Jesus, could not Jesus have just simply said, be healed? Couldn't he have done that from 10 feet away or 20 feet away or 30 feet away? Absolutely. But Jesus reached out and did what, church? Touched him. Why? Because Jesus wanted to know. He, he wanted a man to know, I'm not afraid of you. You are welcomed here. Now, this is huge. Because I promise you, there, there are some of you who you, you have felt unwanted most of your life. You, you have felt abandoned. You've felt betrayed. You, you have felt like you don't fit in. And what you need to know is that God extends his arms of welcome to you no matter where you're at. You know, I, had a, I had a good friend. He's still a good friend when I was growing up. He's been my buddy since third grade. And he grew up in a really rough home. Uh, his parents, his, he lived with his mom and his stepdad, um, and they were both um, alcoholics, and they were, they were mean drunks. 
Um, I would be at his house, and it was, his mom was always screaming at him. His, uh, uh, his stepfather would raise his hand to him, and if my buddy flinched, he would call him a sissy, and if he didn't flinch, he would say, what are you trying to ban up on me? And he would smack him, and it was just a horrible place to grow up. But they, it was almost like they created uh, cruelty to, to uh, just let him know that he wasn't really wanted by them. And I'll never forget, it was the Monday before Thanksgiving, I was sitting, I was at his house, uh, he and I had been out playing basketball together, and we were sitting at his, at his table, and his mom came in, and she clapped her hands, and she had this kind of sneer on her face, and she said, Thursday's Thanksgiving. And she said, we're having turkey and dressing and mashed potatoes and gravy, and we're having green bean casserole and all that. She's going all this stuff. And she looks directly at her son and says, but you can't come. And it's like I couldn't believe my ears. This mother telling her son he wasn't welcome at Thanksgiving dinner, but he wasn't. He had to be somewhere else while they had Thanksgiving dinner together. And we ended up going back to my house, and my buddy was just crying his eyes out. And I, and I, I remember just feeling just so overwhelmed. That what would that feel like to be that unwanted? And, and of course, our family ended up, he ended up living with us eventually. But our family said, man, you're more than welcome to come to our house for Thanksgiving. And, and what was crazy were there were a couple other families that, in our church that heard about it as well. So they started inviting him. to. He ended up getting like three or four Thanksgiving meals out of all of this. You know? And when it was all over, he said, man, this has been the greatest Thanksgiving ever. You know, he, just got, he just feasted all weekend long. But it was, it was that feeling of being unwanted. And again, I don't know where you come from. I don't know what you've been through. But here is what you need to hear. Christmas is all about God extending his arm and saying, you are welcome here. Amen. You're welcome here. Can I give you another one? This hit me too. God wants to change our hearts from fearful to courageous. From being fearful to being courageous. This transformation was one of the most dramatic. This kind of jumped off at the page at me. You, you remember when the angels came and it says, and the, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And now you can imagine with me for a second, you're out there in the, in the fields and it's dark and all of a sudden this bright light appears and you know, the whole place begins to light up and you begin to see these people, you know, you, you know, all of a sudden you begin to realize, man, these are not, you know, this, these, this is not a human. This is, this is, these are angels. And, 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 the, and remember what it says? It says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were what? Terrified. They were terrified. These poor shepherds, man, they're, they're, they're scared to death. But look what happens after the angels give them the pronouncement. They tell them what's really going on and, how, and, and, and what they get the chance to be all about. And the shepherds go and they visit the Christ child and they see that what the angel said was true. And all of a sudden they're catching on. Look at the transformation that happens for them. Luke chapter 2 verse 15 at the very end of the story. Read it out loud. It says, and when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The angels go away. Now picture this with me. They're scared to death. And then all of a sudden, after the angels leave, their hearts are filled with courage. And they go, man, we don't know what we're going to go see. We don't know what this is going to do, but let's go. Look at the transformation from fearful to courageous. Now, that's a word some of us need today. Because if I were to use one word that I say describes an awful lot of people right now, it would be the word fear. We're afraid of what's coming. We're afraid of the news that we've heard. 
We're afraid of our, our aging parents and what's going to happen. We're, we're afraid of our wayward kids and what they're going to get into. We're, we, we have so many fears in our heart. And yet for this time of year, what we need to remember is that's one of the reasons Christ came was to change our hearts from being hearts that are, that are held captive by fear to, to hearts that can be filled with, with courage. Um, look at the passage of Scripture from Joshua 1.9. The Lord speaks to Joshua and he says, read it with me. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Look at me. One of the names that we give to the Lord at this time of year, we, we use that name, Emmanuel. What does that mean, church? Say it again. God with us. And that changes everything. Now, I, was, uh, I was up here at the church walking yesterday. I, I try to walk for an hour at a time, as, as many times a week as I can get. And uh, if it's colder than 45 degrees, I'm, I'm walking inside. I'm a sissy. So I, I came up here to walk around the building when nobody was going to be here. And as I was, as I was walking yesterday, I was, I was praying, and, um, and I was just allowing God just to bring certain families to my mind to, to pray for. And one, one of the families I thought of was um, Jonathan and Lena Peasley. Uh, Jonathan is one of the people we sponsor through our missions program. He works for Athletes in Action and he and his wife, Lena, have a little two-year-old uh, girl named Shara who was diagnosed with a brain tumor uh, some time back. And uh, she's been through um, surgery. She's been through all kinds of treatments. And just this last week, um, the doctors, they did the last thing they knew to do. And they, they told Jonathan and Lena, they said, we, we, we don't know what else to do. We, you know, we can't, there's no other treatment we know to give. And yet the cancer continues. And as I was walking and I, and I was thinking about them, I, I began to pray. And, and there's nothing, you guys get this, I mean, there, there's nothing probably more disturbing to our hearts than a seriously ill little child. And as I was praying, I, I, I was saying, dear God, the doctors have done everything that they can do. Lord, would you, would you do a miracle here? Would you, would you touch little Sarah? Would you do something that the doctors can't explain except to say, God has been here? Would you do that? And sometimes God does, but sometimes he doesn't. And as I was thinking about Jonathan and Lena, I said, Lord, would you, would you put your arms around Jonathan and Lena? I can't, I can't imagine being in their shoes. I can't imagine them walking through this. How, how would they feel? They are terrified. Like the shepherds, they're terrified. And dear God, would you, would you put your arms around them? Would you, would you give them your strength? Would you overwhelm them with your presence? Would you help their hearts move from fear to courage? You see, the promise of God is not that we escape all the tragedies of life. The promise of God is that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And that changes everything. That's why Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll not fear any evil. Why? Thou art with me. Amen. And maybe for some of you, that's, that's what you need God to do today. 
to take your heart from those things that you're so afraid of to, to a heart of courage. Can I give you another one? This one hit me really hard. It, it's the change of God taking our hearts from being indifferent to being excited. Taking our hearts from being indifferent to, to being excited. When I, when I was thinking about, uh, about the shepherds, I started thinking about uh, how being out there in that field, and I, and I wondered, I was wondering to myself when I was reading the text and I was just kind of processing it, one of the things I thought about is I, I wonder where they were with God. I wonder if they believed in God. I wonder if they maybe, you know, maybe thought, well, yeah, there's a God out there somewhere, but, you know, but that, that, really, that really doesn't move them. And I, and I thought, you know, isn't, isn't that sometimes how a, lot of, how a lot of us are? Sometimes we get to a place where, it's, do you believe in God? Yeah, I think there's a God out there, but, you know, I don't bother him. He doesn't bother me. And, and, and sometimes even, even, even for those of us who have committed our lives to Christ, can we be honest? Sometimes we just get to a place of indifference on our journey. Well, we're not really seeking God with all of our heart. Well, we're not really passionate about the things that we believe. Or, or somewhere along the way, because we've been through some stuff, can we be honest? Sometimes we lose our joy, don't we? And I, and I, love, I love what the angel said to the shepherds, because this is where he wanted to move them from. Luke 2, verses 10 and verse 20, read it out loud. He goes, I bring you good news that will bring what? Great joy to all people. Now, did it bring great joy to them? Here's these shepherds who, standing in the field, indifferent. Then they went to see the Christ child. Look at what happened. Read it with me. It says, the shepherds went back to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. All that they had heard and seen. You see, that, that was the promise that God made about the coming son, that he would stir something in our hearts with his presence. Isaiah 35, 6 is the prophecy about Jesus. It says, the lame will leap like deer. Those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness and streams will water the wasteland. What's he talking to me? He said, whenever Christ comes, life springs to life. Life comes. When I was a, went to Minerica Christian University when it was in Houston, it's called Gulf Coast Bible College then. And I'll never forget, one of my favorite uh, chapel speakers was a guy by the name of John Bassanio. He pastored the First Baptist Church in Houston. And uh, I'll never forget, he preached a message on the 23rd Psalm that was just absolutely awesome. But he, he told this story that I just, I, I just absolutely loved. He talked about when he actually candidated at First, Church, at First Baptist. And uh, he said he had, he, he had come to town with his wife and they had met with the committees and all that kind of stuff. And then they were gonna eventually vote and vote on him. And he said, while we were in Houston, he was, I think he actually came from Del City, uh, from where he would pastor here. Um, but he, he said, we were in Houston. He said it was two weeks before Christmas. And so we, we were doing some shopping. He said, we were in downtown Houston shopping. And he said, as we're, as we're walking around, he said, I saw First Baptist at that time was right in the heart of Houston. He said, I saw, I saw my new church maybe. And uh, he said, I realized it was Wednesday night. And he said, and I thought to myself, I'm gonna see what my church is like for Wednesday night services. I wanna see what, you know, what, what, what they do. And so he kind of, they went in and they tried to be really quiet. And he said, they got to where the sanctuary was and the doors were closed and they had these little windows. And he said, there was just this really small group of people in this big sanctuary. Then they were all huddled down front. 
And he goes, man, there's hardly anybody here. And he said, it was real dark and it was real gloomy. And he said, I could see that they were singing. He said, so I, I just opened the door a little bit. And he said, and they were singing this song and said, day is dying in the West. And John beside you said, man, I, said, I closed the door and I looked at my wife and he said, man, they don't know it, but that's not the only thing dying around here, you know. And he said, I walked outside. He goes, I was so depressed. He said, I'm like, this, this is my church that I'm going to inherit. Are you kidding me? He said, my wife and I were, were walking down the street. And he said, I looked up and there was this big flashing arrow that was da 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 you know. And he said, and it was pointing toward this jewelry store. And my wife said, I want to I go in and look around a little bit. And he said, okay. He said, so we opened the door. He said, this place has just got lights everywhere. He said, it's just really, really bright. He said, they walk in, it's shoulder to shoulder, people everywhere. He said, they walk in and his wife starts looking at stuff and he's trying to make his way through. And he said, one of the employees saw him and just said, hey, we've got in the back, he said, we've got a big bowl of punch and we've got some punch and we've got some crackers and cheese. Go back here and help yourself. And he goes, well, I think I will. You know, he said, so I'm, I'm making my way through the crowd. He goes, I get to the back and he's get me some punch and crackers. He said, they're playing Christmas carols over the, and he goes, you know, he goes, I'm looking around and, and the lights are flashing and, and the Christmas carols are playing. And he said, I'm standing there. He goes, I'm feeling so good. And he said, I start singing along. He said, the Christmas carol singing. And I got talking to a guy. He said, I started singing the carols. And he said, people started looking at it. They started singing. He said, pretty soon, he said, the whole jewelry stores, everybody's singing. He goes, man, he said, we were laughing and we were singing and we were hugging and we were having punch and crackers. He said, if they had given an altar call, I would have joined the jewelry store. <laughs> I don't blame him. Christ came to restore joy to our lives. Now look at me. Please hear my heart. I, I know that there are those of us who are walking through a difficult time. And, and I know that for some of the losses that we've experienced and some of the things we've gone through, it's taken the wind out of ourselves. But my prayer for you is that during this season, that as you open your heart to God, that that God will begin to spark some joy in you again. For, for some of us that, can we be honest, our, our, our walk with God has grown a bit stale. You know, it's not that we don't consider ourselves to believe in God, but we're just a, a kind of feeling like a long way away. And you know what? Maybe this is the time to say, Lord, would you, would you move me from a place of indifference to a place where I'm excited to be your child I've come to give you good news of what? Great joy. Can I give you one more? For some of us, God wants to change our hearts from being lost to being found. What I thought about the shepherds and uh, what I know, what history teaches us about them, I'm, most likely most of them were not religious people at all. And I wondered how many of them stood out there in the dark sometimes with their sheep and asking themselves the question, where's my life going? I, I wonder how many of them just felt really lost because they were so far from God. 
Look again at the good news that the shepherd, that the angels brought from Luke 2, 11. Read it with me. It says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Did you catch that? The Savior, the one who is bridging heaven and earth, the, the one who has come to let us know that it doesn't matter where we've been, doesn't matter how long we've been there, doesn't matter what we've done, but that the grace of God is greater than all of our sin. That God is the one who can restore life to us no matter how lost we've been. This is what the angel prophesied with Joseph when he was telling him about Mary being pregnant. He says, and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. Read it with me. For he will save his people from their sins. And that was what Jesus came. And he, from the very beginning, he said, this is what I've come to do. Luke chapter 19, after the story of Zacchaeus, the, Jesus said these words, read it with me. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. And if that's how you feel today, for whatever reason, you need to know Christmas changes everything because the lost can be found. Amen. A few weeks ago, um, I had the privilege of filling in for Sherman Kreitzer in the last, the last uh, week of his class that he was doing on Wednesday nights, and, and I showed a video of Lee Strobel uh, giving his testimony about how he, he came to Christ. Lee Strobel uh, was a, an editor for the Chicago Tribune. He was actually a legal editor, and he was an atheist. And in his own words, Lee Scroble decides himself, he goes, I was not a moral person. He said, I was an alcoholic. He said, I was filled with anger. He said, and I took it out on everybody that I was around. And uh, he said, one day my wife comes home and she says, I've become a Christian. And Lee said, to me, that was absolutely the worst news I could ever receive. He said, you know, I don't believe in anything supernatural. And, and here my wife now tells me she's one of those, you know, Jesus freaks, you know. And he said, I was convinced she was a part of a cult or something. And he said, so because of my background, he goes, I'm, I'm used to, you know, to, to delving into everything. And he said, I decided that I was going to prove to her that this whole Jesus thing was just a bunch of mumbo jumbo and, and, and wasn't true at all. He said, so I set out on a two-year journey. He goes, I read everything I could read. He said, I did, I just dug into all the research that I could, uh, why people think that the Bible is true, why they think Jesus is real, why they really believe that there is a God at all. He said, for two years, I dug all of this stuff. And he said, and the more I dug, and the more I read, the more I learned, the more I came to understand this stuff is true. He said, finally, after, after two years of, of doing all this, he goes, one Sunday afternoon, he said, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in, in my room, and he goes, all I can think about is all this stuff that I've learned, and he said, I'm sitting here, and he said, now, at some point, I've got to make a decision. What, what do I really think about all this? And he goes, I'm looking at it. He goes, and my, the way my mind works, I could not deny it was true. And he said, I, I believe. I believe this is true. He said, but I knew I had to do one more thing. It wasn't enough just to believe. He said, I had to receive. And he says, on that Sunday afternoon, he said, I opened my heart. 
And he said, I prayed, dear Jesus, I know you're real. I've looked at all the facts, and I know you are who you claim to be. God come in the flesh to die on my behalf. Would you forgive me of my darkened past? And would you become the Lord and the Savior of my life? And Lee said, out of that moment, he began a whole new journey. And he said, and God began to teach me, and I began to dig into God's word, and God began to heal me. And he said, I, I, I let go of the alcoholism. And he said, I, I, I let go of the, the anger. He said, all, he said I, I started being nicer to my wife. He said, I started being nicer to my, to my little five-year-old daughter, Allison. And he said, I just, he said, I just watched as God did these remarkable changes in me. And he said, the, the, the proof of all of it came one day when my little five-year-old daughter, Allison, he said, after about five months of me traveling on this journey with Christ, said, after about five months, he said, my little five-year-old daughter goes into my, my, my wife, Leslie, and he says to her, Mommy, I want Jesus to do for me what he did for Daddy. She said, my little five-year-old little girl, she said, all she ever saw was an angry father coming home who either ignored her or screamed at her, kicking holes in the wall, drunk half the time. And she said, she's seeing this metamorphosis happen. And she's telling my wife, I don't know what happened to daddy, but whatever's happened to daddy, I want that to happen to me. He was lost. Now he's found. And that's the great work that God can do in our life. Amen. Let me go back to the beginning with you. What kind of change do you need God to make in you? Christmas is about God coming from heaven to earth, not to put on a show not to wave angels around in the sky or do cool things. He came to change the hearts of people, of us. Will you open your heart to him and let God do something marvelous in you? Today, if, if you're lost and you know you're lost, it doesn't matter where, who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. The Bible says if we confess our sin, and admit to God, we know, we know we're long ways away. God is, is faithful. He'll forgive us of our sin. He'll wipe away the past. And he'll deposit his Holy Spirit in you. And today, just like Lee Strobel, you can begin a brand new journey. For some of us, maybe we need God to heal some of the scar tissue in our life. We've, we felt unworthy and unwanted. And it's hard for us to feel welcomed before God. And maybe today we just say, you know, God... I just need you to wash over me with your acceptance. I, I need to know you, you love me like Pastor Steve says you do. For some of us, our, our hearts are filled with fear. And we need God to say, Lord, I'm so afraid. And we need God just to come alongside of us, to relieve that fear, to give us courage to face whatever it is that we're facing. And for some of us, it's that indifference. Lord, my heart's been heavy. Lord, my heart's been indifferent. I need you to fill me with your joy. Lord, change my heart. Well, that's the prayer I want you to pray this morning. 
Rachel's going to lead us in singing a, a little chorus. It's a beautiful little chorus that simply says, change my heart, oh God. And I ask you to just make that your personal prayer today. Um, after we sing this song, we're going to receive communion together. If you didn't get your cup, you want to grab it, go ahead. They're on the back table. But I'm going to ask you to go ahead and take your cup, and if you'll open the bottom of it and take that piece of bread out, and then you can peel back the top where the juice is, and you can just have that ready. And we're going to sing this song, and then I'm going to pray. And my prayer for you is that you'll open your heart to the changes God wants to do in you. Oh, Lord, that's our prayer today. You know exactly where we are. You know exactly what's going on in our hearts, and you know exactly what you need to do. Oh, Lord, we just simply acknowledge before you, this is where we're at. Would you change, Lord, our unwanted hearts to feeling welcomed? Would you change our fearful hearts to, to being courageous? Would you change our indifferent hearts to become excited and God, would you change our lost hearts to being found? We hold in our hands today the evidence of your love, this little piece of bread that represents your body that was broken for us, this juice that represents your blood that was spilt on our behalf. You were born so that you might die in our place, that we might know what it's like to have new life. Lord, work the changes in us we need this Christmas season, beginning on the inside out. In your precious name we pray today. And everyone said, amen.